Today is the final day before we begin the great journey of Lent. And like any journey, it's not prudent to simply start without any forethought or preparation. So let's take this day as a, as a kind of pre-Lenten reflection. In some cultures, as you probably know, there are big celebrations today. The, in the French tradition, the Mardi Gras, and in, uh, at least in Brazil, I don't know if it's all Portuguese uh, tradition, the Carnival, Carnival. For some reason, that never took off here in the Philippines. I don't know why, because Filipinos generally love celebrations. So it seems like it would have been an opportunity for another big, uh, big celebration. But anyway, it's not part of the culture to have to observe the last day before Lent with a with a, with a big feast. Even if it were, much, it's much better for us to follow the liturgy than to simply follow the, the, uh, the culture. Cultures are beautiful, they have their, their place, but the gospel should form every culture. So let, let's try to be formed by the culture of the church, or the liturgy of the church. We have today two readings which can serve as good preparation readings for Lent, good uh, points for pondering. In the Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples in the boat to watch out, to guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, if you remember, yesterday he was dealing with these Pharisees and they were demanding a sign and Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign, and he just left them. He just, he just uh, left them and got into the boat. So he has in mind what he has just encountered in the Pharisees. Their obstinacy, their demands, their, their desire to argue with him rather than submit to him. But he doesn't say to the disciples, uh, don't be like them, or don't be obstinate, or don't argue with me. He doesn't, he doesn't identify directly what the problem is. Instead, he uses a symbol of leaven, or yeast. So that we won't simply identify this as someone else's problem, but as a, a hidden interior problem. This is yeast, right? Leaven, it works in secret. It's... It's, a, it's buried deep within the dough, and, and it has its effect from, from inside. Now, leaven can be used in a positive sense, too. Again, even Jesus uses the idea of leaven in describing the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is like a woman who, who had three measures of flour and, and uh, added, the, added the yeast, and it raised up the whole mass of dough. But in this case, he's using it in a negative sense. Leaven is not a, a uh, hidden and interior positive force for growth. It's a hidden and interior corruption. So watch out for hidden interior corruption. Good, good advice for Lent. It's a reminder to us that we need Lent because we have this tendency to keep 
somewhere inside 11 of the Pharisees, 11 of self-will, of hypocrisy, of arrogance, of judgment of others, uh, and all, all sorts of hidden sins, which someone looking at us might not even notice or know that they're there. Pharisees look great at looking good, after all. We're going to get a little warning about this tomorrow on Ash Wednesday when the, the Lord will say, don't go performing religious acts for people to see. Don't work only on the surface. Get to the leaven. One of Pope Francis's favorite terms for this leaven is spiritual worldliness. You've heard me speak about this, and you know the Pope mentions this spiritual worldliness. So it's spiritual, and meaning on the surface it's spiritual, you look good, look religious, look holy, but the worldliness is the leaven going on inside. So a, a different value system is corrupting the spiritual life. Beware of that. Now, the apostles, of course, they missed the point completely. They're focused on their ba'on. They only have one loaf of bread with them, and they think that's a disaster. Well, and Jesus asks them a whole series of questions to put them in their place and to alert them to the fact that they themselves are having a, a kind of leaven, meaning a preoccupation with bread rather than with the kingdom of God. And what he, his main point is, you don't have to worry about bread all the time. Because if you have one loaf of bread, and I'm with you, well, that's enough. You only had five loaves for 5,000, and it was more than enough. You only had uh, four loaves, or no, seven loaves for 4,000, and it was more than enough. So one loaf for 12 guys, that's plenty. That's basically what he's saying. Don't worry about bread, is what he's saying. Don't make that your first priority. Good reminder to us for Lent. Lent is a season of fasting. It's a season to be, to be alert to the tendency to make food and any other physical satisfaction more important than the will of God. That's why we fast, so that we put that tendency back, back in its right place. It's not wrong to eat. It's not wrong to have bread. It's not wrong to enjoy food. But that's not the most important thing in life. Okay, good lessons from this, uh, this gospel, but uh, St. James gives us a little more to think about here. Or he exposes, you could say, the two different dynamics that can be at play in us, and sometimes at the same time. There's the, I call the dynamics, there's the dynamic from above, what, what, what God wants to do in us and how he works in us, and then there's the dynamic from below, what arises from our fallen nature. Let's start with this from below thing so that we don't end on a bad note. We can end on the positive side. Let's start with the negative one. Uh, uh, James describes how temptation works. He says temptation doesn't come from God. God isn't trying to make us go off the, path, off the right path. He said, James says, each person is tempted when lured and enticed by his desire. Now, we have to be careful about this term desire, because when we were studying discernment, we spent a long time 
focusing on the desires of the heart, meaning the, the, the longing for God that he himself has planted in our hearts, the desire for God and for the fulfillment of his will and for finding our fulfillment in him. That, that's a different desire than the desire James is speaking about here. We use the same word, but it's a completely different thing. Although, that's why we need discernment, right? So we can distinguish between the genuine hunger for holiness that is in us and the other hungers that are also, they seem to be arising from within us. Or they arise from our flesh. And this is how James says this works, okay? We have this desire. That desire leads to or opens us to a temptation. Desire conceives and brings forth sin. And when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Desire, temptation, sin, death. See the process. And since we're at the threshold of Lent, we are wise to expose that process to the light. What are the desires that are so, so appealing to me? What, where, what kind of temptations are the ones I have to aggressively resist? It's, it's right to bring them to full consciousness so that we don't let ourselves be lulled to sleep or get taken off, taken off guard. Okay, so that's the, that's the dynamic from below. But there's this other dynamic, which is more powerful and more important, and which we also have to bring to our full consciousness. That's the one from above. That is what God has, has begun in us and is always doing in us. Listen to what James says. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. What does he do? Well, he wills to give us birth by the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So there's what comes from above is the grace, the gift of God. It's, he describes it here as the word of truth, meaning a, a revelation of, of God or something of God's will or something of the things of God, the ways of God. And that, that gives birth to us. It, it's, it sparks a new life in us. And when we let that fire grow, it, it overcomes the, the, uh, the imperfections that are still lingering in our nature and brings forth a, a, a new harvest, a harvest of holiness, the first fruits. That's what we want, because that's what God wants, and that's what we're made for. So as we approach Lent now, it's important for us to recognize, yes, the things that we are tempted by or the, or the dynamic in us that we have to resist, but that's not the whole of the spiritual life, just to not sin. There's this positive dynamic, which is more important, that is responding to God with love, with gratitude, with acceptance of his grace and of his mercy, so that we actually grow. It's a very important not to sin. But 
simply not to sin is to leave ourselves stationary and eventually we'll be pushed back downhill. But if we're moving uphill, drawn forward by the grace that's at work in us, well then we can leave sin behind. So the journey begins tomorrow, that's Wednesday, but already we're, we're committing ourselves to it because it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a great opportunity to, to, to let the word of truth give birth to new life in us to, and to bear, bear abundant fruit.